God gave us three things so we could be strong in our Christian life. Number one, he gave us his word, the Bible. Aren't you glad you got a Bible? You got a Bible, hold it up this morning. You got one right there? Aren't you glad God gave you his word and he tells you how he feels about stuff? Someone said about the Bible, it contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. You want to be a happy believer? Be a Bible believer. Be a Bible. Love your Bible. Read your Bible. Meditate. Memorize it. Apply it. Practice it. Share it. Uh, everything a Christian does ought to revolve around the Word of God. And what you do with the Bible, what I do with the Bible, determines what God will do with me. Because it helps me understand Him. Someone says, if you want to know God, you need, if you know yourself, you've got to go know God because you're made in His image. If you want to know God, you need to know His Son, Jesus, because He's the image of God. If you want to know Jesus, Jesus is the Word. You'll need to know the Word of God. And you need to make much of the Scriptures. I hope you will love it. Another thing God gave us to be successful in the Christian life is the Holy Spirit. He came in, according to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 13, the moment I got saved, when I put my faith in Christ, then He put His Spirit in me. And He's not going to be there just for a few moments. Matter of fact, He says, I'll be with you forever, not just in this lifetime. I will always have the Holy Spirit with me the moment I got saved. This is the call the eternal security of the believer. He doesn't come in as a hotel to check in and check out. If you make him mad, he leaves you. No, no, he comes in and he's your permanent home. He lives inside of you. And he's not there just to be patted on the head. He's there to have dominion over the whole house. You and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit needs to have full reign to help me think and to help me know what to do, what not to do, where to go, what way to take to work, what clothes I would put on, what to, what to, how I should respond to problems, when I should witness someone. I was sitting with someone on the plane last night. Her name is Kay, and she lives in Naperville, and began to talk to her about the Lord Jesus Christ and, and asking uh, for opportunities to share with her. She wasn't terribly receptive, but, I, but she was a very precious lady, and she needs the Lord. And uh, it was the Holy Spirit that prompted me to put it out there, to kind of put, anytime you talk to someone about the Lord, you don't know where to pucker it or duck. <laughs> you don't know where to hug or hide. Not sure if people are going to receive it or not. But it was the Spirit of God who loves that lady who put me on that plane to begin to shock, talk to her about the Lord. Well, that's the Holy Spirit, and He's there to comfort us, to challenge us, to convict us when we're wrong. I remember talking to a man too long ago, and he said, Pastor, he goes, before I got saved here, I used to do some bad things, and it bothered me. But now I do those bad things, it's like on steroids. <laughs> do you know why? Because before he got saved, he, did not, he had a conscience, but he did not have the Holy Spirit. After you get saved, you have the Holy Spirit. By the way, if you don't have that, that uh, conviction on steroids, you ought to want that. And you ought to make sure you have the Holy Spirit on and respond to him. Uh, whenever he speaks to you, it's only natural you should speak back to him. That's so why we have an invitation in a church. If God speaks to us, we ought to be only polite to speak back to him. If he talks to us, we ought to, we ought to respond. Say, yeah, I, I understand what you said, and I, that's something I want to work on. That's something I need to do. And sometimes, most of the time, this last week, I was visiting churches. Whenever they gave an invitation, I went down forward, and I talked to the Lord about what he talked to me about. I wasn't the preacher. I was the recipient of the truth of God's word. And when God spoke to me, I wanted to speak back to him. I want to say, I agree with you, God. That's something I got to work on. That's an area that I need to apply. So God gave us his word. He gave us his spirit. But he also gave us his body. And that's the local church. 
And uh, now the, the Word of God's perfect, the Spirit of God's perfect, the body, the local church is not perfect. And the reason it's not perfect is because we go here. <laughs> and we're not perfect. And the church is not a building. Buildings do not change people's lives. What, what happens inside them do. It's a, it's a, it's a called-out assembly. But throughout history, God has chosen to put a place. At the time of the author of, of this psalm, it was the tabernacles. It looks like to me the temple wasn't built yet. Their place of worship, that they're, that they're all the males of, of Israel in that area, they would come three times a year to, they was required. Jesus did it. If you ever read the Gospels, you'll see how they, he kept going back from Judea down in the south to Galilee and back down, and they kept going back down. Every time there was a feast of Pentecost or there was a, there was a feast of, of, of the, the, the tabernacles, whatever, they would make their way down and come back up, come back up. And they would do that because that was what God wanted to do. And, and yes, they could worship God in Galilee, but there was something about the place. And the, and the, the psalmist understood that. I like what the psalmist says in Psalm 122. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. What kind of COVID reminded us of that, didn't it? Man, I'm telling you what, church is not online. <laughs> church is a called out assembly. I thank God for technology, and I thank God for everybody who made it happen, and people who are watching right now. But the truth of the matter is, if you can be in church, that's what God wants you to do. Because you can watch online, but you can't exhort online. And one of the reasons we come to church, and sometimes we've got this, we got, we got this idea that we just come to church so we can get fed. Well, you need to do that. That's a part of the job of the pastor. There's several factors in worship, and one of them is the preaching of God's Word, what we're doing right now. But another factor of, of church is exhortation, exhorting one another. I need you. You need the person beside you. And when you're here, church is better. Your presence encourages people, your friendliness. And we'll see that in this pastor's scripture. And the pilgrim or whoever wrote this psalm, which I'm not exactly sure, it was sung by the sons of Korah, which the Levites, who were part of the choirs that sang there. It was a song they sang. And I love it because it tells me the blessings of the local church. And I know today many people say, you know what, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You don't have to go home to be married. <laughs> It makes a better relationship with your wife if you do that, your husband if you do that. You want a great relationship with Jesus, you'll be in church. And I think it's important. And the, 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 the pilgrim singing the song said, oh, how amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord. I can't wait. My soul longeth to get to church. Well, what does church do for us? I want to just talk to you about that just for a few moments. Take your Bible. Let's look at it real quickly together. Psalm 84. The Bible says, how amiable or how inviting are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of, my God, of, my Lord, uh, of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. I want you to notice real quickly, the church provides a satisfaction for your soul. How you think, how you feel, and what you want. That really is what you are. That's what I am. Now, we're, we're, we fit into our bodies and, but inside of me, you recognize me by my features. I recognize you by your features. But what I really am is my soul. It's how I think about things, how I feel about stuff, and what I want. That's why the Bible says a pastor must give an account of, of, because they watch for your 
part of the things that we go to Sunday school, your Sunday school teachers who shepherd you, your mom and your dad, your pastor, part of the things that go in the back of my mind is saying, Lord, help me to cause your people, not my people, your sheep to think like you think, to feel how you feel, and to want what you want. He said, my soul, everything within me longs to, to get to know God, to be where he is. I love it because church, in my opinion, satisfies your soul. There's a lot of things out there that says they can satisfy you. Money, possessions, cars. The nicest car you could, you could buy today will be a junk in 15, 20 years. No one will even want it. Just the way it is. We're, we're, we're lied to think that, boy, there's things out there. If we got that, if I just got married, if I just had this person, if I just had this, if we just lived here, if I just had this job, if I just uh, got this, get this inheritance, if I had that, then I would be, boy, you won't be. No, the world may try to satisfy, but they can't. This world can't. But Solomon found that out. He was a man who really could do anything he wanted to do, be anything he wanted to be, and, uh, and have anything he wanted to have. Most of us, we have limitations. I would make, make, make a guess that all of us have limitations. There are things you can't buy. If you went to the store, you, you're limited because your pockets are only so deep. Your checkbook only has so much money in it. There are places you'd like to go, but you can't go or you can't do because you're limited. Well, Solomon, man, he seemed to have everything. He could do what he wanted to do. He could be what he wanted to be. He was the envy of the world. Kings and queens were come from all over the world to be with him and to see him. And then he left and said, boy, the half wasn't told me. And he, could, he, had, he had no end to doing. If he said, I want to buy this, I bought it. If I, want to have, if I want to be a vineyard, I bought a vineyard. If I want horses, I bought horses. If I wanted to go here or go there or get a ship or buy this, whatever he wanted to do, he could do it. But at the end of it, he said, you know, when I did all that stuff without God, everything that was under the sun, I found to be vanity and vexation. He said, it was empty. It wasn't there. But you know something about church? It creates a desire in me to think about the person of Jesus. You know, today we thought about Jesus a few moments ago in our service. I don't know if he came across the radar of your mind, but he did mine. Through the singing and through just the, th- the focus of the Lord, through prayer, I probably, you know, when I go to church, it, it provokes me to think, oh, what would God want here? What would he think about this? What is his feelings about things? You know, everybody has feelings. Someone said feelings come and feelings go, and feelings are deceiving. Our warrant should be the word of God. Nothing else is worth believing. All of us have feelings. Well, I feel like this, and I feel like this, or I think of this, or I think that. But the truth of the matter is, you know what going to church does? For our soul, it helps us to get on track. It gets us back to ground zero. What really matters? It's satisfying to the soul. The second thing I want you to know about church is that it is stability for, my, for ourselves and our seed. Would you look at the next verse, if you would, please? Verse number three. Let's read that loud together. Can we? Verse three. You're there. Psalm 84, verse 3, let's read it together. Yea, the sparrow hath found a house. O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. That's a great way to approach God. Lord of hosts, my King and my God. But the psalmist says, you know, that the, the, the sparrows and the swallow 
have decided, you know what, they found a nest. Now, I don't know if they were a nest right near the tabernacle, but the visitor to the tabernacle said, I kind of wish I could be like a swallow. I wish I could be like the sparrow. They built their nest right here, and they get to see the Shekinah glory of God. They get to stay right here at church, right here in the tabernacle. I have to go back home to Galilee. I have to go back over here to this place. But, boy, the swallow has built in a nest, and they can live right there. You know what church does? Number one, it satisfies our heart and our, and our soul. Number two, it brings stability. You, you look around just for a few moments, and you find the people who are connected to the Word of God, response of the Spirit of God, and are active in the work of God, in the church of God, you're going to find a fairly stable man or woman. You're going to be someone who's glad they did, not wish they would have. Hey, listen, just take for a moment, and I don't like this, but I, I, have, to, I have to keep my eyes open. And watch people who take the exits out of the local church. And they are hit and miss and do whatever they want to do. And they go here and go there. And they do what things they want to do. If there's a picnic, they forget church on that Sunday. They, they get, make excuses why the church is no good and why they don't have to go. Just watch their end. Watch what happens. Fast forward 10, 15 years. Watch what happens with their children, their grandkids. These are things that he said, look, he's had a, there, there's some stability for the family. Mom and dad, listen, soccer's not more important than church. Vacation's not more important than church. Build your vacation. You're going to find out where you're going to go, where you're going to stay. Find a church and say, you know, we're going to be there. The kids are not going to want to do it. I remember my dad, boy, he, would, he was insisting. This was back before there were GPS and cell phones. We would have to figure out a time. He'd be driving on Sunday afternoon, and boy, starting about 4.30, he'd be pulling off, looking at the yellow pages. Looking for an independent fundamental Baptist church, you know. And sometimes we go there and it wouldn't be, they would be, and boy, we were like, Dad, can we just have roadside Baptist church? Dad, just pull over and just preach to us, Dad. That'd be all right. No, we got to go inside. And we went inside for Sunday school, went inside for church, and I got to, had to meet new people, learn new names, and hear a Sunday school teacher, and usually got the quiet seat prize of the week. It was fantastic. I was a visitor. We'd go, and, and, but sometimes I say, especially as I got a little older, I said, Dad, come on now. Come on, Dad. The Lord knows we love Him and everything. We just want to get to Grandma's house, don't we? No, we're going to stop. We're going to go to church. And I love my dad for that reason so very much. He felt like attendance was important. Hey, the church is a place that ought to be attended. You ought to get yourself there. I, I, one of the things that blessed my heart more than ju just very few, many things blessed my heart about First Baptist Church, but I love Sunday nights to see moms and dads with little children back in the service on a Sunday night. There's no kids program on Sunday night. Wednesday night, there's a, there's a transformer, but Sunday night, little kids, little, little children. Some of them that don't fit in the nursery anymore, they're four years old, five years old, to sit them in church with them. Some of them live in Lowell and Hebron and North Chicago and Thessalonica and Ephesus and other places like that. And they get back. They get back on a Sunday night and they sit again and sit with their kids and worship God together because they're all in. I'm so thankful. I heard so many gospel messages when I was growing up. But the one that God used to bring conviction to my heart was on a Sunday night. I mean, I heard junior churches, and I heard Sunday school lessons and Sunday morning services, but it was a Sunday night that God got a hold of my heart. And I didn't drive myself to church that night. My mom and dad did. They made sure that was important. I think the local church for a family ought to be a place that's attended. It ought to be a place where there's activity there.
I, I'm so thankful for a church, and we've got more things going. You've got to walk sideways to keep from flying around here sometimes. Just there's a lot of things going. But there's something for your family. The bird, the swallow, the sparrow have found a nest, and they've brought some stability there. Listen, give your kids stability. Church is not going to be stable all the way. Remember, it's, it's made up of human beings. Pastors come and go. Sunday school teachers come and they teach for years and then they age and they fall into eternity or go into eternity. They can't do what they used to do. Different bus captains, different people going on. But listen, man, get yourself into a local church and daddy, do that. Come on, sir, step up. Lead your family. It wasn't Mrs. Joshua that said, as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. No, that was Joshua. I'm sure with a deep bass voice, as for me and my house. But thank God for Miss Joshua said, hey man, I'm with him. We'll do it. I love attendance of a local church. I think it brings stability. I love the activity of a local church. I love being anchored in the local church. I think it's interesting that when they moved the tabernacle around the wilderness, God put it smack dab in the middle. He said, here, these three tribes are here, these three tribes are here, these three tribes here, these tribes here, all of them equal distance to the local, to the local church. I'm just grateful. I'm 53 years old, but I will be forever indebted to my dad who's been with Jesus for 26 years, grounding, anchoring my life in the local church. Get me involved in the activities, I'll never forget. And you've heard me tell the story. I was one day watching my mom do dishes and have her wedding band on. I just got back from, from youth conference and camp. I'm thinking, Mom, where's your ring? He goes, oh, I'm going to get it back. I found out that my mom and dad took their rings off, took it down to the pawn shop to get enough money for me and my siblings to go to camp. I don't know all that happened at that camp, but I'm sure there were some good things that happened. By the way, get your kids to camp. Help other kids go to camp. It's a wonderful thing. God does some wonderful things in the hearts of young people at camp. It's a time where they get away from the world. They get away from cell phones and social media and all that stuff. And no more, the rock music doesn't come on at camp. And they get to hear the word of God in the morning and at night and get around God's people. I'm thankful that I was anchored in a local church. Thankful I had activities in the local church. Thankful I attended the local church. And it brought stability. I, I tell you the story, but my, my dad had happy feet. So I lived in 17 different houses growing up from the time I was born until I graduated from high school. Eight different states. And I didn't know where I was going to go to school the next year. My dad just kind of had a little bit of happy feet. But I want to tell you, I knew wherever it was, we were going to be in a good church. And we were. Some of them were larger, some were smaller. Some of the pastors were older, some were younger. Some preached really short messages. I love those guys. And then some of them were preached a little longer messages. And I was like, whoa, it's going to be a long one here. Going through the Psalm 119, verse by verse. <laughs> I was, oh, man. But every place we went, we had people that loved us. We had pastors that loved us. We had Sunday school teachers encourage us. We were attended, anchored, active. Don't just be a spectator. Find something you can do, and we'll talk about that in a moment. Look at the next thing I think you'll see here. Not only was the anchor, and by the way, look, if you would, please, at this verse. This kind of got, got my attention. Look at verse number uh, four. Read out loud with me. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be, how about that? Still praising thee. You know what I find out? 
Church reminds me how good God is. You get away from church, you're going to start thinking negative things about God. There's a lot of noise out there about him. Well, the devil, the first time he opened his mouth in the Bible, he told Eve, God's not good. Can't trust what you tell him. He's not righteous. Talking to someone the other day, and they've been studying some of the negative things about human trafficking, and they've decided as a result of training that God doesn't know what he's doing. He can't be trusted because of all the bad things that have happened. I can only believe in God. Now I see all this bad stuff happen. You know, it's the grace of God that girl was raised in a Christian home. <laughs> Every, and put, the fact that she can put two and two and make four is because of the grace of God. And now she wants to do like this to God. What's wrong with that person? By the way, we, we live in a fallen world. You know how to keep you positive and praising? Being in church. Well, you get stability there, then you can focus on the, what really matters and who God is. And by the way, God knows what's happened all over the world. And the only thing that can change it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Think about Brother Fisa. 30 people got saved in the month of January, February, March over there. 30 people who are on their way to hell. Now there's a missionary there supported by our church and by others just like us. Now they know they're going to heaven. Now they won't have to. If, even if they, if they go through a very difficult time in this life, they're going to have eternity to look forward to. So you want to change the world? Be a missionary. Support a missionary. Pray for a missionary. Witness to someone around the world. Rid of someone around the street. Do something to get the gospel of Christ into their ears and their hearts. Things will change that way. Oh, I like the church. I like the church because it brings satisfaction to my soul. It brings stability to myself and to my children, my seed. And then I, I want you to notice it strengthens us in seasons of suffering. Would you look, if you would, please, the next verse. Verse number five. Blessed is the man whose strength is in God, in thee. And whose heart is in the ways of him. And read verse 6 with me. Who passing through the valley of Baca, make it a well. And the rain also filleth the pools. And they go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appear before the Lord. And the Lord of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God, to J uh, God of Jacob, Selah. Selah is a pause in the music that says, think about what we just sang about. Think about what we just said. I'm, I'm telling you, friends, that you need strength in seasons of suffering. If you keep breathing, you're going to have some seasons of suffering. And I like this verse. It says, passing through the valley of Baca. Now, the valley of Baca, I don't know exactly where it is, but I know what Baca means. It means weeping. It means sorrow, difficulty, heartache. And I'm, I'm glad that you don't live in the valley of Baca. You pass through it. Hard times are seasonal, and they're for seasons, and they're for reasons. I'm glad that the Valley of Baca, I've had some sad days in the Valley of Baca. You have too. If we could sit down together and talk about it, you could tell me your hard days, and I could tell you mine. I could tell you those seasons in the Valley of, of Tears, in the Valley of Weeping, the Valley of Sorrow. But I will tell you, this church has a way of helping me through those valleys. He said, when I'm passing through, church gives me strength for the valleys. I think about a church today, Graceway Baptist Church in DeMont. Their pastor preached last week, and he's in heaven this week. Sad. They're, they're in the valley of tears. I'm sure they're not in there just, they're just, they're going through a hard time. That precious wife, Brother Joe, his son, grieving over the loss. They're going through a valley of tears. Boy, I think they're going to be better because they're together, don't you think? Aren't you glad when you come, have some precious ladies who 
have had miscarriages. Well, when someone has a miscarriage, usually someone who's had a miscarriage, they come over and see them. They say, I, I don't know how you feel, but I know how I felt. And God helped me through the valley. I passed through that valley. Now it's better. It's going to be okay. Well, when you go through a valley where tears is what you experience, notice it's temporary. It's not going to, you, don't, you don't stay there. No one has a terrible life their whole life. It's a, it's a valley you pass through. But when you pass through your valley, make sure that you don't neglect the house of God. It's a place that gives you strength. You have the power of God. That strength is in thee. You have prayer. Boy, when he says, look, if you, look at the verse, if you would please. Verse number 8, O God of hosts, hear my prayer. You come, you appear before the Lord. When you come before the Lord, and that's when verse 7 says, and they go from strength to strength, every one of them in Zion appears before the Lord. He said, all those men, they would come down. And the reason they came down three times a year to appear before the Lord, but you know what it did? Every time they came, they got strength, and then went back, got more strength, and they came back. Three times a year, they would come down, and part of the reason was so they could have strength. What I love about First Baptist Church, I'm glad we have services three times a week. Sunday morning, Sunday night, and there was an older man named Lee Robertson. He would say this, it takes three to thrive. I think it takes three to survive. Probably about five or six to, to thrive. Boy, go to church. And God gives you strength. I love Wednesday night service. It's when I get our little B12 shot to get us through Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's where I get to be with God's people. I get to interact with them and shake their hands and greet them. I love it when we get together, and, and that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to exhort one another so much the more as you see today approaching. God uses people. He uses his power. He uses prayer to strengthen us in seasons of suffering. But as this psalm ends, we see, we, we see the satisfaction. We see the stability. We see the strength for the difficult times. Let's read the rest of the chapter and, we'll, and we'll, the, the psalm. Verse number Nine, behold, our God is our shield and upon the face of the anointed. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. You know, I'd rather be one day in the house of God than a thousand days somewhere else. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God and to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord is a sun and a shield and he will give grace and glory, and no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly for the Lord of hosts. Would you read the rest of the verse with me? Blessed is the man that... Church is a place of service. The Levites were the people who organized the service for the house of God. And the smallest job was to open the door for the people that would enter in. It's our ushers today. And I thank God for ushers. Brother Mike is on vacation. Brother Tony's home at sick. You know, Brother Paul, his daughter's getting married, so he's clueless what's going on right now. But boy, I thank God for the ushers. But you know what they do? It's just opening the door for people, a small task. Everybody ought to have a job they do with Jesus. Get in a Sunday school class. You say, well, Pastor, I just go to Sunday school class. Well, find a way you can help your teacher. Find a way that you can make it better. If it's cleaning, if it's preparing, doing something. Listen, if you can clean a building for the Lord, you're doing that in a place of supporting worldwide evangelism. You're doing that in a place in just a few moments where someone will follow the Lord. I had a man today say to me, Pastor, can you tell me how to get baptized? I said, yes. I said, are you saved? He goes, no, I need to get saved too. <laughs> 
I said, well, let me help you with that. And he got saved this morning. He's going to probably get baptized in a few minutes. Aren't you glad we go to church and you can clean a building where people got baptized? Aren't you glad you can sit in a place and drive in a parking lot where part of the funds that's collected today will go to get the gospel to people all over the world? Whatever you do for God, find something to do. It could be a simple task. That's all right. It ought to be directed, uh, a directed task. And it, it ought to be directed by the Son. He said, now the Lord, if you're serving God. By the way, there are blessings to serve God. When you're serving God, here's what the Bible says. The Lord is a sun and a shield. It's a simple task, but it's to direct itself. You know, why do we have the sun? What does the sun do for us? It warms us, but also gives us direction. You get lost. You know where the east and the west, you can figure out where, where you are, what, what direction is this way. What's got the sun? It's what God said, I'll, I'll, I'll direct you. There's some of you that God's going to direct you to do some things in the future. Some of you right now, just like Brother Mark Duff sitting over here three, four months ago, thinking he was going to be here, and now he's pastoring a church. God gave him a desire, and God did that. He's going to do that. Some of you are going to be missionaries. God's going to direct you to do a task, but it'll be out of the local church. Do something. Don't just sit and watch the world go by. Do simple tasks. Let the Lord direct your tasks. And then he'll be a shield. He'll protect you. The safest place you can be is right smack in the will of God for your life. If God wants you to do that, we have a missions trip, I hope you'll go on it. Well, I'm nervous. I'm afraid. Listen, you do something in the will of God, that's the best place you can be. I don't want my kids to do that. I don't want you want your kids to do anything God wants them to do. That's what you want them to do. Terry, are you glad that Josh is down in Peru? Amen. Well, I'm glad I, I, I talked to uh, Miss Elizabeth Spears. Uh, no, 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 it wasn't them. It was Miss Kelly DeMoville's mother. We stood right down here. And their granddaughter got married, and her mom and dad watched online. The kids graduated from college, and their mom and dad watched online from the Philippines. And a little grandmother down here with, looks like, I think, rheumatoid arthritis, she would tears coming on her face. She goes, Pastor, God, let me be blessed to be a mother of a missionary. What a great blessing. I get to be a mother of a missionary. She hadn't seen her kids in years. She hadn't seen her grandkids. She, got, she had three grandkids. She never even laid eyes on, I think. Because they can't come back and all the COVID things and the challenges of visas. And she said, but I, I'll never, I'll forever praise God that God let me. Be the mother of a missionary. You know what God, he's a protection. He protects our task. He, he directs our task. He gives us simple tasks. And then I love the last part here. He empowers us. He empowers us. He said, I will give grace and I'll give glory. You know what grace is? Grace is God's supernatural help. When God calls you to do something, he gives you the power to do it. If you're humble enough to let him do it. Some of you say, well, Pastor, I could never teach a Sunday class. Oh, yes, you could. If God's grace is with you. I can't imagine driving a bus. By the way, we need to get some bus drivers. February the 7th, 2022, there's a new rule coming in that's going to make it much difficult, more difficult for people to get CDL license. If you have a chance to get it, get it now. Let's work on getting that together. But if you can drive a bus, oh, I can never drive a bus. You can do anything God wants you to do. He can enable you. He says, I'll give grace, and then, by the way, I'll give glory. That means reward. When we serve the Lord, you know what church is important? 
because it brings satisfaction to the soul. It brings stability to my life and to those who call me dad and leader. It brings me strength through suffering times when I go through that valley of tears, that valley of mourning, that valley of difficulty. I, I get strength from going to church. And then lastly, I'm provoked to serve the Lord. I get to serve God. It may be a simple task, a directed task, a protected task, an empowered task, but it will be a rewarded task. No good thing will he withhold from them who walk uprightly. Part of doing the right thing is serving the Lord. Do the right thing the right way. God says, I'm not going to withhold anything good. I don't know about you. That's what I want for you. And I hope that you want that for me. I want that for my kids. I was praying for my boys today, this morning, last night. I was thinking about, I just want them to love God and experience the blessings of God. They don't have to be a pastor. Someone said to you last week, man, your dad's going to be out of town. I hope you'll be the preacher. He goes, no way. <laughs> I'm not going to be doing that. I don't, I don't care if they're a garbage man. I just want them to experience the blessings of God. Because no good thing will God withhold from the man or woman who walks upright. God will reward what we do. But it all comes back in this passage of Scripture to a man who said, I can't wait to go to church.